as, as we're here on Resurrection Sunday, I just think this morning about the verse that most people know or have heard, but it still rings as, as one of the most powerful verses ever written from the Bible. For God so loved the world that he what? Can, who can help me with that this morning? If you know it with me, I want you just to say it with me. That he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever would believe in him, what? Would not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen? Isn't that amazing to think this morning of what we deserve, but what we're going to get now? Praise God. Amen? For God so loved this world that he gave his only son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. If you'd go to John chapter 20, we're not going to hold you too long this morning, but we want to give you a, a quick message and, and uh, just speak to your hearts this morning. We know we have uh, family and visitors in town. We know that we have also some of our family out of town this morning, but we're just blessed to be able to come together and celebrate Amen. This is a day of celebration. Now, we know that as believers, we celebrate every day. I don't celebrate the resurrection just on this day. I celebrate it every day. Amen. How many celebrate the resurrection every day? But it's kind of like a birthday. You know, you don't you, you, you get older every day, but you don't celebrate your birthday every day. And this isn't Jesus's birthday, but it's even better than his birthday. Amen. This is the day that the church not a church, the church of Jesus Christ around the world celebrates the fact that he is not in a tomb this morning, that he is not decaying this morning, amen, that he is not dead this morning, but he is, somebody shout out what he is with me this morning, alive, amen, he is alive. Little Philip was born with Down syndrome and attended a third grade Sunday school class. We have the best Sunday school classes in the world. We do. We have the best teachers. Uh, it's amazing to me that we, we don't have uh, an amusement park back there. We don't have even a playground. We don't really have anything special except our teachers. And the kids love this church. The kids love to come to our church and love Sunday school and love children's church. And, and by the way, if anybody doesn't know, we have... Uh, three months all the way up to 12 if you want to have your kids go there it's they're fine to stay in here as well um, but we we want you to know we have great Sunday school teachers amen and in a Sunday school class little Philip born with Down syndrome was eight years old and he was in there with other eight-year-old boys and girls typical of that age I don't know if any of you are too far removed to remember it's been a while for me the children did not readily accept Philip and his differences how many know at that age, kids are mean? Man, kids are mean at that age. How many wish you could go back and not be and, and be a nicer kid? <laughs> Amen. But the teacher did a great job, as ours do here, in helping the the kids accept Philip better, and got Philip beginning to care about being part of the group, although the group didn't accept him. One Sunday after Easter, the teacher brought. Legs pantyhose containers that looked like the large eggs. And each receiving one, the children were told to go outside on that lovely spring day and find some symbol for new life and put it in the egg container. 
Back in the classroom, they would share their new life symbols. Opening the containers one by one in surprise fashion, after running about from the church and outside and the property in wild confusion, they returned back and placed their containers on the table. Surrounded by the children, the teacher began to open them one by one. After each one, one contained a flower, another one contained a butterfly, another one contained a leaf. The class would ooh and ah. Then one was opened, revealing nothing inside of it. The children explained, that's stupid. That's not fair. Somebody didn't do their assignment. Philip, the Down Syndrome's boy, spoke up and said, that's mine. And obviously the kid said, Philip, you don't ever do anything right. There's nothing there. Philip said, I did so do it. I did do it. It's the empty tomb. That's what my egg represents, the empty tomb. Silence followed. And from then on, Philip became a full member of the class. Not long after from an, he died from an infection, most children, normal children would have shrugged off. At the funeral, this class of eight and nine-year-olds marched up to the altar, not with flowers, but with their Sunday school teacher to lay an empty egg inside the casket. Amen. True story. How many know sometimes kids get it better than we do? Amen. The, the greatest symbol this morning of, of our lives is, is thinking. I want you to think about this this morning as we look in John 20 just for a second. I want you to think about the fact of, of what the empty tomb represents. And what does it represent to you? What does it mean to you? And, and I know that we hear it, and, and we kind of went over this Wednesday night. If you, if, you didn't, if you weren't here, I would challenge you to take time this week to go onto our podcast and listen to the message of how we went through the sufferings, the details, the real things that Jesus went through on the cross. It's easy for us to uh, hear Jesus died on the cross and to hear he rose from the dead, but when we stop and really think about what that means... Uh, we're going to end this morning with a testimony that's going to show what the empty tomb means to a lot of people. But I want you to ask yourself what the empty tomb means for you because when we think about the empty tomb this morning, Jesus came, as we said last Sunday, he came to become something for us. And when I think of the empty tomb, I obviously think of his body not being there, but it also makes me think back to how empty we were before we met Jesus, before Jesus came into our lives, the emptiness. And, and I want you to think about this. We don't really realize it until we have that moment in our lives that we remember when it happened. And I remember it like it was yesterday. We remember that moment where Jesus knocked on the, on the, on the door of our heart and, and said, I want to come in. And there was a revelation that happened. And, and he came in and filled, if you think about it, uh, we grow up with that emptiness inside of us. Think about the empty tomb this morning. Think about the picture of the empty tomb, even that egg as an example. And, 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 just, and, I'm, and I'm actually giving this to you right at the moment from the Holy Spirit because I had no plans on this, but he's giving it to me right now. He's, I'm downloading. Amen. I love when that happens. Amen. Picture the, picture the egg, picture the circle of the empty tomb. And when God forms us in our mother's womb, 
The Bible says he knows us. He knows our inward parts. He knows everything about us. He, he knows every detail. And, and I want you to think about this and picture this this morning, that, at, that as he creates us, he leaves inside of us an empty place. Are you with me? God leaves an empty place in us, in our spirit, in our soul. And he says, this place here belongs to me. And I want to one day, watch this, I want to one day fill this hole. I want to one day fill this empty place right here. But I don't, this is, this is the breakdown of humanity and salvation. I don't want to enter it uninvited. That we're born with a void. We're born with an emptiness. And our entire lives, and this is going to really hit home with some of you, and you'll see it at the end of the service, our entire lives, we go through life from young kids to the age we are now, looking for ways to fill the void. To fill the empty egg, so to speak. And we fill it with so much stuff because we don't know Jesus is supposed to be there. And then today on Resurrection Day, we see that he has left that place. But where did he go? That's the question. Where did he go? I can tell you this morning where he went with me. He left that empty grave and he came into the empty space in my life. And he took over that place that used to be empty in my life. And now I'm a changed person. Can you say amen? John chapter 20. Now the first day, verse 1 of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now before I continue to read, I want to ask all of you to do something for just a few minutes. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you to read this as if you've never read it before. I want you to, I don't want you to, you know, some of you in here are seasoned veterans in the Lord. You've been saved a long time. I'm not going to say how many Easter's you have celebrated. Some of you may have celebrated up to 50 Easter's in the Lord. Some of you, this is your first time. But whatever it is, we can easily get caught up in seeing the same story again and thinking, oh, I've heard this one before. But I don't know about you. Every time I read the Bible, every time I read the story, God speaks something different to me. Every time. Why? Because his word is alive. It's living. Amen. So I want you to read it that way. Father, help us this morning for just a few minutes to read this story and to get something powerful out of it that we've never had before, whether it's somebody who's been saved a long, long time or someone who this morning is not saved and does not know you. Speak to our hearts this morning and let the words of this pages come alive. In Jesus' name, amen. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, by the way, was a nice, sweet saint. She was almost perfect. Went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And before we read verse 2, if anybody's in here thinking, man, I don't know if I'm supposed to be here this morning in church. These guys don't know what I've done. Well, let me tell you something. The person we're reading right here called Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. That's what I love about the Bible. Real people. That doesn't mean we're not, we're not condoning you go out and be a prostitute. I'm just telling you that Jesus saves the lost. The Bible says he came to save that which was lost. He didn't come for the healthy people. He didn't come for the people that don't need a physician. He came for the lost. 
And so it's, I love this because it's Mary Magdalene, the ex-prostitute. Because Jesus makes us ex-whatever we were. Amen. And she goes to the tomb first. While it was still dark, and saw the stone had been ruled away. Verse 2, she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple, and were going to the tomb. And they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. Now, I think it's kind of funny that the Lord sticks that in there. I mean, there must have been some competition between these two disciples that he said, and make sure everybody knows that I got there first. Amen. And, and those are the little things that are so cool. But I, I, wanna, I want you to understand, this is something that I personally do every day. I, I, I thank God that, that he found me and that I believe, that I'm a believer this morning. See, I'm not, a, I'm not just a Christian. I'm a believer. I'm a believer in what this word says. But what's amazing to me is, and we talked about this in Discipleship Friday, we, we talk about like what it would have been like to live at those days. How many of you ever thought about that this morning? What would have been like to live then? And, and, and we've kind of gone back and forth debating which would be better. And, and we think, man, what, what an amazing thing it would have been to actually live then and actually be right there with Jesus. And, and, and we think maybe it would have been easier to believe, maybe, because you're there. But then I think about these stories and I see that, that Mary Magdalene is running to the tomb and she has oil. And so she's not going with faith that Jesus is not going to be there. She has not grasped yet as a believer that Jesus was going to do what he said he was going to do. How many are following me? You read this and you think somebody should have gone and said, uh, okay, I can't wait to go see the empty tomb. But instead, she gets there and says, he's not here. Where have they, instead of going, wow, he did it. He did what he said he was going to do. He, he rose from the dead. Uh, yes, I knew it. She doesn't do that. She goes, where have they laid his body? Where have they taken him to? And so if you've ever doubted, ever doubted in your faith, don't feel bad. Because here we are looking at the people who walked with him, and they're doubting. Peter and them, they're running, they're, they're doubting. And they get there, look at verse 5, and it says, And he's stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. I love the fact that the clothes were left there. And Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb, because you know Peter's not afraid to do anything, cut people's ear off, tell Jesus he's going to go all the way to the tomb with him, whatever. He, Peter's not afraid. The other one was afraid to go in. Peter's like, I'm going in. And he saw the linen clothes lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths. This is, I don't know if y'all are just paying attention to this. I don't know if you're getting as excited about this as I am. Not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together by itself. See, if Jesus would have been taken, oh, you're not even with me. Let me just go preach somewhere else this morning. Amen. If Jesus would have been taken somewhere else, so this was some big conspiracy, they would not have left the handkerchief folded nicely right there, showing that Jesus said, "Let me hold up, let me just, let me just make something here so they can see that I did this. 
Man, y'all are dead this morning. Y'all need to rise from the dead this morning. Amen. Come on. Jesus is this detail oriented. He gets up. He, he takes the, you know, let me leave these there so they know. Let me just, let me just fold this up real quick. I don't want to just lay it there. Just, let me just lay it right here so they can see it when they come in. I'm not there no more. I'm not there no. I'm just going to leave it right there. That's what he did. I'm just going to leave it right there so they can come in and see it. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also. And here we go. And he saw and what? Believed. For as they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. I love that. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because, see, she hadn't caught it yet either. Because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have laid him. Now when she had seen this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. See, I still haven't seen him with my own eyes, and I know who Jesus is. Come on, somebody. I haven't touched his nail-scarred hands. I haven't seen the empty tomb except on a video. I haven't seen Jesus face-to-face, -face, but I know who he is. He's alive this morning. He's the risen king this morning. He's the master. He's the savior. He's the one who came in and filled my empty hole when he came out of the tomb. She did not know, verse 15, and she said, woman, Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Who are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, she still's not getting it yet. If you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, I love this, Mary, don't you know? Jesus knows your name this morning. Jesus knows your name this morning. He knows my name. See, that ought to be enough, right? I know, I know you're just trying to be, it's, Sunday, it's Easter Sunday, so you've got to be a little bit dignified. I don't know why, but he knows my name. Oh, he knows my name. Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is to say teacher. Jesus said, don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to the brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father and to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken, that he had spoken these things to her. I want to show you something this morning that's very important that we don't think about a lot. Culture then a lot of times we read this, that Mary Magdalene went to the tomb first, and then Mary gets there, 
and, and she, she has this encounter. And sometimes we don't know exactly which Mary we're talking about because there are several Marys. There's quite a few Marys. Um, but the fact is, it's, people don't realize it, it's not an accident that women went first. Because what we want to understand, and I, and I had to correct myself several years ago. I didn't realize what I was saying. I used to say all the time, and I actually was looking back at some old messages, and I've said this many times, I think erroneously. I would say, you know, we have historically, uh, historical uh, facts or, or history to tell us. We don't have to doubt or worry or wonder, did Jesus live on this earth? I, I've always said that because we know that's a fact. And, then, and I would say we, we have historical facts to say and back up that we know a man named Jesus was crucified on the cross. We, we have history for that. And then I used to say, and I don't say it anymore, I used to say the only thing we have to have faith for is to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, we do have to have faith for that. I'm not taking away from that. But, what the, but the wording is wrong because I began to realize that it is very historically uh, a fact that Jesus rose from the dead. And Jesus knew, and God knew, and the plan knew, everything was known, that when he rose from the dead, there were going to be doubters. And, and we know that in the other Gospels, for example, in Matthew, they began, if you'll, if you'll just really quickly go over to Matthew 28, I'm, I'm going to close right here. I'm not going to take long on this, but I want to show you something. If you, as you go to Matthew 28, we see that uh, in the later verses there, around 11 through 15, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but we see that the soldiers are bribed in the afterfact to say that they, you know, did something different with the body. And, 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 and uh, there's people who will say, you know, he, he was taken, his body was taken somewhere else and all these different things that people say. But the, the biggest fact solidifier for the resurrection is the fact that women witnessed it and testified to it and I want you to think about this for a second because at that time of the culture women did not have a voice at all and so if a woman were to go and say something like that it would usually not be believed and so you would ask them then why would Jesus choose for the women to be the first ones there because when you're talking about facts facts are facts and if they were trying to cover up and make up the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they would not. If they wanted that to be believed, that if it really, they, they would have never, ever said that women saw him first. Did y'all catch that? It, he, he, he did reverse psychology on them. God said, I know how they're going to think, and we're just going to hit them with the truth. I'm going to send the ladies first. And they're going to get there and they're going to see him first and they're going to testify. And then the men are going to have to tell the truth and they're going to have to say, Mary saw him first. Mary, Mary saw him first. And, and then people would say, there's no way that this can't be true because if they made it up, they would never say that. It's a historical fact. And, and I want to throw this out to you this morning for those that, that, that just don't quite, quite grasp how amazing God is. I've said this before, but it's a great day on Easter Sunday to say it. Uh, I, 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 I think that a lot of people, and you may have friends or family that think this, think we're foolish or crazy or dumb because we believe that 
that man rose from the dead. Right? Don't people think that sometimes? And so it's almost like, well, just the dumb people are Christians. Just the uneducated people. And the reason they think that is because Jesus used a lot of uneducated people to preach his gospel. But Jesus was doing a lot of things at one time as he was doing this gospel uh, uh, teaching to reach the world. And he knew that he needed to reach not just a few people, but everybody. Amen? And so just recently you saw... Uh, that, and if you haven't seen it, I'm going to plug it again. Go see the movie Case for the Christ, The Case for Christ. If you haven't seen it, it's amazing. It's powerful. I'm so thankful that in the days that we're living in, there are, there are movies coming out with this gospel presentation that's so clear and so Jesus. Okay? And so the story in that uh, uh, about um, Lee Strobel is that he is a very well-known uh, Chicago Tribune a reporter and he does stories and he's he gets rewards and he and he's known for telling the truth and so that's his career that's his job and i'm not going to get into the whole movie or anything and ruin it but he basically ends up trying to prove trying to prove that jesus did not rise from the dead that jesus was not real that it was fabricated and the more he studied out the facts as a reporter the more he realized, I cannot deny what happened here. So he goes on to go from being an atheist to being a believer because of the facts. Amen. Amen. Because of the facts. Not just some Sunday school story. And Matthew 28 here, verse 9 says, As they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying... This is the women here, to the women. Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. And then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now another just free added in thing is that women are good at telling stories. I'm just going to throw that in. Amen. Just throwing that in. Amen. He knew that the story was going to go. Right? And women are really good at details. So a man would have, would have gone and told him, like, it would just been like three words. But the woman went and told him it was detailed. Amen. So that's, that's what he knew he could trust, the words to get there. And then, finally, we see uh, Simon Greenleaf, if you'll write that down. I've told this before, but it's so powerful. Simon Greenleaf. He goes, he's the co-founder of Harvard. Lived in the 1800s. And I want, to, I want you to use this to share your faith with people. Co-founder of Harvard, right? Harvard's known worldwide as, as one of the, if not the greatest law school in the world. He co-founded the law part of it. It wasn't always a law school. So he co-founded the law, the law part of Harvard Law School and did the same thing. He set out to prove that this whole Jesus thing was a hoax. And so his students, they did something very interesting. They told him, teacher, why don't you use the, thing, the things we use in, in a court case, why don't you use all the laws that we use to, to uh, either acquit or make someone guilty in the law, in a court of law, use those as facts to, to do your story. He goes, you know what, I'm going to do that. He goes to begin to do that. And he gets all this information, and again, an atheist 
the one who had the empty seed. We're all atheists when we're born. Did you, did you hear that? We're all atheists. We're all born with that, with that hole in our soul, in our spirit, that only Jesus can fill. We're all, we all d- doubt. We all don't believe. Although we have at the same time that seed that God has planted there to search out and look for something. And so this atheist, uh, Simon Greeleaf, goes, begins to get everything together and makes this statement this morning, church. He makes this statement to, to uh, and it's, on, it's on, online, you can find it, it's not something I made up. He says, I have gathered all the evidence as a lawyer. Not just as some person, but as a lawyer who co-founded Harvard and says, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, according to evidence, is the most verifiable event in all of history. Taking all the facts, and, and, and it would take a long time to get into all that, but taking all the facts, and he, they, they actually use the example of the fact that the women uh, were the ones who told it first, and they go on to talk about how all the stories line up, and they go on to say that there's something you can fabricate. There's tons of things they use, but as a lawyer, he does that, and he makes these claims, and we see somebody have that empty void filled by Jesus. Amen? God is good this morning. Praise God. I want you to bow your heads this morning and close your eyes if you would. And as you, as you bow your head and close your eyes, I want you to think for just a second about your own spirit and your own soul. We're going to have a little bit of moving around, but just go ahead and keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. We're going to pray in just a second. But as you're praying and as you're there thinking, I want you to ask yourself, what is or what was the void that I had in my heart? What, what today maybe even am I still trying to fill the void that only Jesus can fill? What is the way that I, what have I been placing there instead of God? And I want you to picture again in your mind, in your spirit as you're praying, visualize that empty tomb. That egg was such a great example of that little Down syndrome boy saying, no, I I did put something in it. It's the empty tomb. This morning, maybe you're here and you've been putting something in there, but it's not Jesus. This morning, Jesus wants to fill that empty tomb in your life. You're, you're, You're basically, without Jesus, you're basically dead. You're basically a grave with both ends kicked out. You're lost. But this morning, Jesus wants to come in. He wants to be Lord of your life. And this morning, I thought no greater way to prove the existence of Jesus Christ and his power than to show you visually what Jesus can do in a life. So we're going to show an illustrated sermon this morning. If you just, as the music begins to play, just open your eyes and watch again. I want you to see the visual of what Jesus can do in the empty tomb. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like 
Still, that grace. 
praise one more time this morning. Amen. Thank you. Thank you guys and go back to your seats. Thank you. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes again one more time. I just want to quickly ask, is Jesus in that empty space in your life this morning? If he's not, he can be right now. Right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever that whosoever means you and me whoever I think if you look across at those cardboard testimonies this morning you can probably relate to somebody somebody in there had to be similar to your life and what we saw in that testimony is all the things that people put into their lives to try to fill that empty place that only Jesus can fill I pray this morning you don't walk out of here and waste more time searching because you're never going to find what you'll find in Jesus. You'll never find the hope. You'll never find the peace. You'll never find the joy that only Jesus can give you. How many this morning would be honest with God, not with me or with the person around you, but God? Say, God, I know that I, I'm a sinner. I know that I, I fail. I know that I have an empty place in my life that I've been trying to fill with other things. But this morning, God, I hear your word loud and clear. And I know that you placed that void there for me to allow you to come in and be Lord of my life. How many would be honest and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? That's me. God bless you. I see your hands. God bless you. I see your hand. How many more? That's me. If, if, I, if I died today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. Listen, the Bible says tomorrow is not promised to anybody. Life is like a vapor. Today is the day of salvation. This is not about you becoming a member of this church. We're not after membership. We're after you as a person knowing Jesus through a relationship. How many more could say, if I walked out of here this morning, I'm not 100% sure I would go to heaven. That's you. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. We want to pray for you this morning. We want you to make heaven your home this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you at some point in your life have given your, your life to Jesus. You've, you've put your faith in him. But, but today you're not living the life that God's called you to live. You, you've gone back to your old ways back to doing things you used to do and you're falling you're finding yourself slipping away and by God's grace you came in this morning on, on an Easter Sunday invited by somebody you want to give that back to the Lord and say Lord I'm giving it all to you today how many can say that's me just put your hand up and put it right back down God bless you God bless you God bless you God sees your hands I want to 
want to ask us to stand real quick to our feet. And I want to do just one more thing. We're going to take communion in just a second and thank the Lord for everything he's done for us. And this is still a day of celebration, but the greatest celebration is going to be when somebody gives their life to Jesus. That's the greatest miracle. Amen. All these people that you saw come across here have done what you, you will do today. They say, I, I need Jesus. I did it 24 years ago. I know the date, the time, the hour, and the place where Jesus came in and filled the empty tomb in my life. If you raised your hand, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Just step out of where you're standing and come stand right here with me. I want to pray with you. Just quickly step out. We're going to pray a salvation prayer this morning. You can stay facing me. I'm going to wait just a minute. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but something's telling you, I need to give my life to Jesus today. I need to come down there right now. I need to say a prayer. I'm going to wait just a few more seconds. Maybe you're rededicating your life to the Lord. Listen, I'm not going to stand with you before God. You're going to stand by yourself before God. You're going to have to give an account to the Lord. Amen. God bless you as you come. You're going to have to say, Lord, I, I put my faith in you. I filled the empty tomb. How many more? I'm going to wait just a moment. Don't miss this opportunity. This is the day the Lord has made. He's given you the grace to have another day and another chance. I think if we could have a glimpse of what hell looks like, an eternity without God, we'd be smart to say, God, I need you. But all at the same time, if we could get a glimpse of what heaven looks like, I want to be there. I, I can't wait to walk the streets of gold, amen. I can't wait to stand with God, amen, and, and thank him for myself. I'm going to wait five more seconds. Five, four, say, I can do it back here in my seat. My problem with that is if you can't stand before people in a church and say, I believe in Jesus, you're not going to do it out there. Because I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I'm a Jesus freak. I'm a, I love Jesus. Amen. Three, two, one. Praise God. I'm going to make a stand today for Jesus. Amen. I'm going to make a stand for Jesus. Amen. Everybody would just say this prayer with me. This is a, a, a biblical salvation prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm lost without you. I have a hole in my spirit and in my heart that only you can fill. Today I recognize and admit I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I'm lost without you. Jesus, I believe with all my heart and confess with my mouth that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins after living a perfect life. And then you went down into hell while you were in that grave and you took the keys to death, hell, and the grave for me. And then you rose from the dead for I, so I could live forever. Jesus, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart you are Lord. And I ask you to forgive me and wash me clean with your blood and write my name 
in the Lamb's book of life right now. Devil, I no longer serve you. You have to get out of my life and leave me alone right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the beginning of my new life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says the angels are rejoicing in heaven right now. Amen. Because he looks at the hearts. Ceci and David, if you just raise your hand right there. I mean, Claudia and David, if you raise your hand right there. If you look over there after church, if you could just find them, they're going to give you a book that talks about the decision you made today. And it will help you with verses and different things like that. So please find them after church, okay? You can go back to your seats and be seated. And then ushers, if you can come quickly. Uh, we're going to serve communion this morning. If you just begin to get uh, into an attitude of, of worship, um, they're going to begin to serve. You can stand or stay seated, whatever you feel this morning. Um, we're going to pass this around, uh, the, the, the crackers and the, and the juice. And we're going to celebrate today. This is celebration, amen. The Bible says that we, we do this to celebrate his death burial and resurrection and we do it until he comes again that's one more thing I want you to get excited about he's coming again how many believe that he's coming again amen Paul said in 1 Corinthians that Jesus told them to begin to examine themselves so as you're there and you're getting the juice and the crackers, just personally, uh, just begin to look inward, just personally begin to ask the Lord. The Bible says we examine ourselves to make sure we're in the faith. Lord, search my heart this morning and show me if there's anything, not just the big things, but anything, Lord, in my life that's not pleasing to you, anything in my life that's impure, motives, attitudes, sin, secret sin, anything because we don't want to take the Lord's Supper in a wrong way we don't want to do it with the wrong heart we don't want to it's it's a it's a it's a sobering thing to think about what Jesus went through and this is this is the symbol of his broken body the symbol of his shed blood the Bible tells us without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins so you got to understand this morning that we're doing something symbolic. And I know a lot of people were raised religious. You might have been raised in a way where you did this often and maybe didn't even know why you were doing it. We want you to know why we're doing it. We're doing it because Jesus said to do it. But we're doing it understanding what it means. And we're simply saying this is the body of Christ, that the representation, the symbol of his body, and this is the symbol of his blood, and this is the example that we remember. It helps us to remember what he's done for us, but again, that he's coming again. Amen. Don't forget that, because if he said he was going to come to the earth, and he did, check. If he said he was going to come to the earth and live a perfect life, check. If he said he was going to die on the cross, check. said he was going to rise from the dead, check. He also said, and if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. 
The Bible says in John 14, that'd be a great chapter for you to learn. He says, he says, in my father's house are many shacks, mansions. How many want to have a mansion? Most people in the earth, most people will never have a mansion, but we have a mansion being prepared for us by Jesus, handcrafted. And the Bible said he was a carpenter, so he knows what he's doing. Amen. He, was, he knows what he's doing. He's building something amazing for us. So we have something to look forward to. So the reason we take communion is we say, Lord, I want to live right because I want to make sure I'm watching and waiting for when that trumpet sounds and you come back. And we can't believe all that and then not believe that part. That's why we do communion. That's why we live a life of sanctification. That's why we live a life of holiness. We're holy in Christ. We're righteous in Christ. But our actions speak louder than our words. So we want to stay away from the things of, of, of sin. We were at a celebration last night, and we were talking about uh, celebrating a couple of 50 years, Jesse's parents. And, and we talked about how, you know, that we're, we're a new creation now, and we don't, we don't celebrate the way we used to celebrate. You know, we, we, and, and, and we were talking to some of the young commerce, new commerce, and it's talking about how now we realize we can have fun without a headache. We can have fun without spending a whole bunch of money we didn't know we spent. Isn't it awesome to serve God? Amen. Pastor Andrews, if you'd come up here with me. We're going to take the bread this morning. Let's go ahead and stand again. I know we're kind of doing up and down a lot today, but it's good for your thighs. We're going to pray over the bread. Ask, ask God to just bless this this morning. And again, just examine yourself. We're so mindful at this moment yes, Jesus. of what you did when you sent your son down that cross, be beaten, yes. it's pain, suffering, yes, Jesus. thinking about what you did for us and us alone. It's humbling, Father. We ask you right now as we're taking this bread to remind us of that body that was so broken and hurt much pain. We ask you right now to bless this time as we take the bread. Take the bread, please. The Bible says after he took the bread, he took the cup, and he said, "You, I will not drink this again until I'm with you in, in paradise. This is a, there was a last supper. It was the last time humanly he would be with them in this way before he gave his life and we're so thankful this morning that life is in the blood and this 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 cup represents him shedding his blood but shedding perfect blood blood without sin blood without contamination of sin and being that sacrificial passover lamb for us and, and it's a wonderful thing because the Bible says all the way back in Isaiah that his blood washes us white as snow. That ought to get you excited this morning to realize no matter what you've ever done, if you confess it, it's clean. It's wiped away. It's, it's no longer there. The Bible says he throws our sin into the sea of forgetfulness. 
never to remember it again. So this morning we can thank God that when we make a mistake, when we mess up, we can say, Lord, I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the blood means this morning. Father, we thank you for your blood. Our words are short. They lack. They're not enough. And my prayer this morning, Lord, for myself and everyone here is that that we would be thankful not just with our words, but with our lives. That we would pour out our own lives as a drink offering to you. That we would give of ourselves. And Lord, when we're tempted to do something, we would say, Lord, I don't want to do that. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to walk on your blood. I don't want to trample your precious blood. Lord, help me not to do that. But Lord, when we do make a mistake as humans, your blood was shed for our forgiveness and for our healing. We thank you for the blood this morning that represents all those things. And we do this this morning in remembrance of you. We can take of the cup. Amen. As you stay standing, we're going to just sing one worship song to close this morning. And uh, after you're done, we do have a place to take pictures if you want with your family this morning just to celebrate. This isn't a somber day. Friday was a sad day, church. But he ain't in the grave no more. Amen. This is a celebration day. This is a party. We're thankful that he's alive. He's alive. Amen. So as they sing this song to close out, let's just worship him one more time this morning.
Just listen to these words as we close out this morning. Where's your sting? 
yes, Lord. Jesus, we thank you. Death, where is your sting? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands and lift your voices. this morning. Give him praise one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise your name, Jesus. is your sting. Listen, no matter what you're facing this morning as you leave, no matter what you're facing, it don't matter. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is you can die. Right? That's probably like the worst thing that can happen to you. Well, that has no sting. Death has no hold on us. Amen? And guess what? We are going to die. There ain't nobody going to escape death except Jesus and the rapture which is our blessed hope. It don't have to be popular. It's the blessed hope. But even if you died, the worst possible thing that could happen, that has no sting on us because death is defeated. Hallelujah. Amen. And if he rose, we will rise. If he lives forever, we will live forever. Read 1 Corinthians 15 later on today and you'll, you'll see what that talks about. Amen. Death, where is your sting? Praise God. We're, we love you this morning. We're so glad that you chose to come here to celebrate Easter with us and Resurrection Sunday. We're going to continue the party today. Uh, later on, we're going to have a picnic. Um, I know many people have to do things with their family, and that's fine. But for anybody that wants to, uh, we'll be over at Denia Park, which is just literally right behind those houses you see across the street. You get there by Frosty's. And the earliest some people are going to be there are, some are going right away. So all day long. We have some awesome partiers in our church. They love to fellowship. Amen. So from 1 o'clock on, but I think the other group of people may be around 4, 3, 4, and any time on until it gets dark. But we have a lot of fun. There are going to be all kinds of games and lots of fun. So come hang out and, and see that we're normal people. Amen. Normal people. Pretty much. Amen. But if we will talk to you about Jesus.
and what he did in our lives. We're fanatical about Jesus. Amen. But we will have fun. So we invite you to go over there with us uh, after and, and take your time on getting some pictures and just enjoying and try to find someone you don't know this morning. Meet them. And uh, we just want to tell you we love you and God bless you this morning. Amen. Please go.